facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Tremendous Thursday to all of you. I can't wait to get going with today's show. It's just, for a lot of you, including me, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Why? Because today, March Madness started. Our head engineer, Marty Jury, Jury just said, it's a high holy season, and not just because it's Lent. It's March Madness. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about that today. What's so Catholic about March Madness? And even if you're not a Hoops fan, you're going to get a lot out of this. Why the tournament and all of its upsets are a lot like the spiritual life itself. Plus, later in the show, you're going to hear about uh, what it's like to be a spiritual coach in the game of life from Villanova chaplain Father Rob Hagen. You're really going to like this interview that I did with him. And also, later in the show, a little dietary advice for you. Uh, obviously, St. Patrick's Day is tomorrow. A lot of you are wondering, is it kosher to eat meat on St. Patrick's Day? Because it is going to fall on a Friday this year. And producer Jim, before the show, he said it is kosher because, hey, let's face it, corned beef comes from the deli. But that's not what we're talking about. Obviously, meat is not a thing that we should be eating on Fridays during Lent usually, but maybe, maybe for some of you, it's it's okay. I'll explain later on the K.O. Clark Show, 888-914-9149 is the number to call. You can also email the show. The address is klcale at relevantradio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at klclark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. But as we're going to do, it's day seven now in our St. Joseph's Novena. We're going to ask for his intercession leading up to his feast day, which is normally on the 19th, and that is the actual day. But because it falls on Sunday this year, which is coming up in just a couple of days, that St. Joseph's Day feast is going to be translated mystically to the Monday, to the next day, but we're still going to do the Novena, and I'm still counting it as day seven. So let's pray together in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To you, blessed Joseph, we come with confidence in this, our hour of need, trusting in your powerful protection, your loving service to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and your fatherly affection for the child Jesus. Inspire us with faith, in the power of your intercession before the throne of God. We pray, first of all, for the church, that it may be free from error and corruption and be a shining light of universal love and justice. We ask for your intercession for our loved ones in their trials and adversities, that they may be inspired by the love, obedience, and affection of the Holy Family, and be to each other a mutual source of consolation and Christian fidelity. We ask your intercession also for our special needs. I'm just going to pause for a moment so you can uh, offer to God what your special intentions might be. And to keep us all under your protection so that strengthened by your example and assistance, we may lead a holy life, die a happy death, and come to the possession of everlasting happiness in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now you might be saying, Kale, you didn't pause long enough for me to get my... My prayer request in, well, silence is not good on the radio, okay, because uh, people might tune in and say, what's going on? Is Relevant Radio off the air? So here's what you can do instead, and many of you have done this already. If you email me your prayer request, I promise I will pray along with you. If you have some intentions uh, during this novena to St. Joseph, you can email me. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And once again, the phone number to call if you want to call in live to talk to me and 
If you want to weep over your already busted March Madness bracket, you can call me, 888-914-9149. I'll try to be that friend, that listening ear that you need, that you so desperately need at this time. And I know a lot of you guys are watching. I know you've been maybe distracted from your work. How do I know this? Because there have been some studies done on this. Now, this would never happen at Relevant Radio, ever. I can, I can guarantee it. Everyone is on the up and up. However, uh, there was a, a firm that was... Uh, that goes by the name of Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. Like I said, today is Christmas for a lot of you guys. Challenger, Gray, and Christmas uh, actually estimated how much lost productivity in the business world happens during the NCAA men's basketball tournament, also known as March Madness. They've added it all up to $17.3 billion in lost productivity in the United States every year. And actually, it's 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 one billion more this year than it was last year because wages have actually gone up. Obviously, to try to help, I guess, combat inflation. So that's that's a lot. That's seventeen point three billion dollars in lost productivity. There was another survey that was done by Finance Buzz, and the buzz, according to them, is that thirty six percent of workers admit to watching March Madness during the workday. Which basically means that, what, 64% are lying because they're all doing it. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But if that's you, shame on you. Go to confession. But um, at any rate, so yeah, producer Jim just, just whispered, I'm so sorry in my ear. Um, sick days. That's another thing, too. Sick days. Uh, paid time off sick days have been used on occasion uh, to watch March Madness. They've got the fever. They've got basketball fever, I guess. But anyways... Uh, 11% have said they've used six days to do it. 4% have said that they used PTO. And uh, how about that? Anyways, I want to be productive with, with our with our discussion of March Madness. That is for sure. I'm still here, still grinding at it. Uh, even though my, my my bracket is probably already busted, Virginia, wahoo wah, they... Uh, nobody's just crying, woo-hoo-hoo, not wahoo wah, because they lost to Furman. They lost to Furman. I think Furman was the 13th seed, if I'm not mistaken, and Virginia was a number four. And last-minute loss at the buzzer, essentially. A Furman player hit a big, deep three. And, uh, oof, put him out. Put up Virginia. Who who won the national championship recently, but uh, for, I've never really heard... I don't know much about Furman. Uh, you know, I've heard of Mark Furman, of course, uh, who was involved in the <laughs> the OJ case, but uh, that's, that's about it. That's about it, but... Uh, they put a stop to, they've arrested the run of Virginia before it even really got going. But anyways, I wanted to talk about how March Madness is a lot like the spiritual life, the Catholic life. And you might say that that's, that's going to be a strange comparison, but not really. Not really. And later in the show, not only are you going to be hearing from Villanova chaplain, Father Rob Hagen, he's going to have some thoughts on the interplay between the Catholic life and athletics and success, and it's just a fascinating conversation, so stay tuned for that. But also I'm going to share with you some really intriguing facts about why Catholic colleges and universities in particular tend to be historically great at basketball and in the NCAA tournament. Quite a number of them, as always, are in this year's field. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, later in the show as well. But I, I do want to just mention what's so Catholic about March Madness. And uh, on the uh, over on the Catholic Stand website, 
there's a really interesting piece on that, really kind of thought-provoking, uh, by Todd Nolan. And he, he says that he thinks that one of the main reasons why people love watching March Madness, and, and let's face it, this, this, this might be the biggest reason, especially over the first couple of days of the tournament, when there does tend to be a lot of upsets. Usually the final four, a lot of people can pick the final four right. There usually tends to be at least a couple of number one seeds making it through. Um, very rare for, for a high seed to make it into the final four, although Loyola Marymount of Chicago very famously did a couple of years ago. And Sister Jean, she's still she's still with us. She's, I think she's 103 right now. Sister Jean became a fixture in the American landscape. And that's just one of the many uh, Catholic colleges that are out there at Loyola University of Chicago, though they're not in the tournament this year. But everybody loves the upsets in particular. And it, it's one of the few things that you can do. It's so fun to fill out your bracket knowing that there's a great chance that you will have a, a better result than a noted basketball expert like Jay Billis of ESPN, for example. Uh, very famously, uh, President Obama used to do a bracket. He still does a bracket, even though he's not president anymore. He, he, does, he still puts out uh, his bracket every year. I don't think I don't think President Trump ever did a bracket. Did he? Did he do brackets? I don't know. That's that'd be an interesting thing to look up. But I don't think that he did. I don't think there's a Biden bracket. I'm not sure. But anyway, so most of the time the experts are just as wrong as as everybody else is, and and you just don't know. These are young kids, and even if they come from a a school that's top ranked, things happen. And uh, it's a one game elimination tournament, and the upsets are so much fun and. The great thing about it, too, is that even if your team, quote-unquote, is upset, it's hard to be sad about it for too long, uh, unless it's actually your school, like you went there. Like, I, I know I know, Mike Kendall, VP at Relevant Radio, he's a he's an alum of Indiana University. They're coming back into prominence in the basketball world, and he, he will be living and dying uh, with the Hoosiers in this tournament. And the women's team's looking pretty good, too. But, but when the upsets happen, it's hard to be mad because... Even if your bracket is busted, because it's a it's a David beating a Goliath. It's it's just so much fun. What does that have to do with our Catholic faith? Well, here's what he says. Here, here's what what Todd Foley says in, the, in this article. He says we constantly think that we know what's best for us. We try to plan out our lives. We try to. And this is one of the great things about being human. We can look forward. We have the ability to think about what our future might be. Like Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show, he said he went into his four days of darkness retreat and on the way in, he thought he, he was 90% sure he was going to retire, 10% sure he wanted to keep playing. He came out and he completely changed his mind. So he, he said he spent two days sort of in the darkness. One day spent was, was spent 100% thinking about what his life would be like in the future if he was retired. And the other day he spent thinking about what it would be like, how is it going to go if he does not retire. I don't know what he did on the other two of the four days in the darkness, but having, I guess he ate gruel that was passed uh, under the door. I don't know, but uh, we, we have the ability as humans to forecast, to think abstractly, to plan, to make future plans, but we, we know that they don't always work out. We know that they don't. And we think that we know what's best for us when we make those plans. But the Lord has other plans, does, does, doesn't he? And there, there's a proverb that says that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the will of the Lord that prevails. And that's, that's always the case. And sometimes 
our will is aligned with God's will. And most of the time it's because we're deep in prayer, we're, we're online with God, we're, we're trying to look at life from his perspective. We're trying to make good choices and ask that question, what would Jesus do? Like those WWJD bracelets that everybody used to wear. Not a bad question to ask at all. But very often we are surprised and we are even upset, just like the upsets in the NCAA tournament, because things don't often go the way that we think. And sometimes it's a good surprise. Sometimes from a human level, it's not such a great surprise. Uh, a reversal. It could be a financial reversal. It could be the end of a relationship that we had a lot of hope in. It could be the loss of a job. It could be a closed door here. But we don't always see the big picture, but God does. He absolutely does. And at the end of the day, if, if our will is to do God's will, as it says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love him. If you're not loving God, it's hard to see that sometimes. But at the end of the day, we can look back in the end from a perspective of distance and time and say, well, that really was good. That turned out to be good for us. That which we thought was not good actually turned out to be for the best because God works in mysterious ways. And you probably heard that saying, maybe somebody said it to you. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your future plans. Things seldom go the way we think. And even the choices that we would make for ourselves. I mean, I think of the girls that I wanted to date when I was in high school. I'm so glad that I was such a nerd that they wouldn't even talk to me because my life would have been a disaster had these relationships worked out. God had a better plan. And that's just a silly example of how he knows what's best for us and what can make us more conformed to Christ. The other thing, too, is that he, that he says in his piece about how we as Catholics can, can kind of look at this tournament, we look at March Madness and relate it to our faith, is that as Catholics, we are often the underdogs. We are often the underdogs in society, sometimes even in our own family, uh, in the workplace. Why? Because of our Catholic faith. People think of us as very strange at times, our, our moral beliefs, and we don't quite fit in. There, there were many, many decades and centuries in which Catholics were flat out actively persecuted in the United States, and they were shut out from opportunities for higher learning, for certain professions, for promotions, simply because they were Catholic and they were seen as suspect. I think a lot of that changed over the past few decades, especially with John F. Kennedy being the first American Catholic president. I think that took away a lot. But there were people who honestly thought that he'd be reporting directly to the pontiff if he were to ascend to the highest office in the land. And so we can find ourselves sometimes on the outside, and we, we want recognition. And it's really frustrating at times because we, we know that we have the truth. We're not being arrogant about it. We're not trying to, uh, we can't be proud about it because this is God's truth, not ours. And it's only by his grace that we have it. It's only by his grace that we have been perhaps born into a Catholic family and brought up in the faith and been faithful to it our whole lives. Or maybe we're a convert and we've discovered it through another way. But it's for all people. It's Catholic. It's universal. But very often, just like some of these underdog teams, like Furman, you know, in the NCAA tournament, we, we are fighting for respect. We are fighting for recognition. And that that that's something that we can relate to as Catholics. And of course, also, we want to win. 
we want to win a spiritual championship. And St. Paul in the New Testament, he is so fond of using athletic metaphors to talk about the faith. He talks about the, the Olympic Games of his time. He talks about wrestling. He talks about uh, running the race, and he runs as if to win. He's not fighting for second place. He's not running for second place. He doesn't just want to finish. He wants to win. And he says, you've got to run to win in the spiritual life. In the letter to the Hebrews, I don't think Paul wrote it, but maybe one of Paul's disciples wrote it. It talks about this great cloud of witnesses, almost like fans in the stands that really are the communion of saints. It's the church victorious in heaven who are wearing the victor's crown, and they, they, are, they are in heaven, and they are cheering us on from the greatest vantage point. <laughs> Talk about a skybox. And, and they are cheering for us to win, and we can, we can draw on their support as we are in the, on the playing field below of life, uh, the, the battlefield, as it were. There's so many metaphors like that in Scripture. Paul talks about boxing. I don't fight as one punching the air. I'm not shadow boxing here. And I, I discipline myself. We're in Lent. We're in the season of, of discipline. He says, Paul says, I beat my body and I make it my servant. He doesn't actually flog himself, or maybe he did. I don't know. But the point is he, he's, he's practicing self-denial like an athlete would. And he says, they're doing it to gain a perishable crown, but I'm doing it to gain an imperishable crown. And he's writing to the Corinthians, and they had this set of games that was second only to the Olympics in, prom in prominence. It was called the Isthmian Games, Corinth being on an isthmus, as it were. That's a tough word to say, but uh, kind of like, you know, not the Olympics, but almost as good. And, and a lot of the same sports, obviously. And the victors of these games actually got, as their prize, a withered crown of celery. This was kind of their laurel wreath, and it, it is totally perishable. You're going to pour out all your efforts just for this, Paul says? Well, okay, it might be a worthy goal, but a much better goal is victory in the spiritual life. And so all of that is kind of metaphorical for what we're looking at in March Madness. And it always happens in Lent. That's really intriguing to me. It's always in Lent. And that, that's, that's something we can draw upon as well. And you know who's going to help us do that? Father Rob Hagen. So hang on. Right after the break, you're going to hear from him. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Be right back. Welcome back to the Kale Clark Show on this first day of March Madness. And yep, my bracket is already busted. I'm sure that's true for a lot of you as well. Patrick Alog tells me that only 7% of people who played on the NCAA.com bracket challenge still have a perfect, pristine bracket. Uh, one of my final four teams is already gone. Arizona was upset in the first round by the 15 seed, number two seed, Arizona loses to number 15, Princeton, the Princeton Tigers. Somewhere, Pete Carroll is smiling, and uh, Princeton uh, is through to the second round. And oh, I also had uh, Virginia, by the way, in the final eight. They were supposed to play Arizona, and it didn't happen the way I thought it would. And that's the way life is sometimes as well. We talked before the break about how 
The NCAA tournament echoes life in a lot of ways. There are a lot of surprises that God has for us. Things don't go the way we want. There are upsets in life, but in the end, it's all good. How has God surprised you in your life? 888-914-9149. I'll tell you what we're going to do right now. We're going to hear from Father Rob Hagen. I did an interview with him not long ago. He's the chaplain of the Villanova University Wildcats. They were in the Final Four last year. They've won championships before. Coach Jay Wright, who's now an analyst, he's a sincere Catholic, and I think he's going to do a great job as an analyst. He, I've already seen him do a little bit of work, and it was really well done. And Father Rob Hagen used to sit very close to him on the bench for every game. And he talked to us about what it's like to, to mentor these student-athletes and, and really how to grow in the spiritual life in the midst of a high-pressure environment, uh, there's a lot of stress on these guys. You might not think so, but uh, they have the same problems that you and I do. And Father Rob Hagen, who's the chaplain of not only the basketball team at Villanova, but also the football team too, Augustinian Father, joined me recently on the K.O. Clark Show. And I'm going to play for you a couple of uh, clips from our conversation. Uh, and this one is about how the season of Lent really matches up well with March Madness, the NC2A tournament, and what we can learn from that. I know the pregame ritual is very important <laughs> in Villanova, so talk to me about that. That's a great one. You know, it's funny, um, Kale. I, I try, I try best I can to um, not force like my um, maybe my thoughts or agenda, and mm-hmm. try to roll with where we are in the church year, and let ah. the meetings kind of speak to us as they are, as they're speaking to all of hmm. us. You know what I mean? And, I, and the one thing I've always found interesting is, or of the many things, um, that the season of Lent often matches up directly with the NCAA tournament. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and so there's a lot of values in terms of um, preparation, uh, reconciliation, uh, nice. self-improvement, that are directly applicable to someone who's kind of journeying in, in this drive to you know, be the best version of yourself you know, on the court, but also off the court. Um, hmm. But there are, you know, there are Gospels that come up um, and yeah, I think really resonate with with the players uh, from different times. And, and one of them that comes to mind is, um, you think about Peter and the disciples in the boat when the storm blows up mm-hmm. and it's cloudy and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, they're anxious and... Uh, it's dark and it's raining and, and uh, they're in the boat <clears throat> and they see Jesus walking towards them on the water. And um, Peter, you know, Peter hops out of the boat and, and walks on water towards Jesus, <laughs> you know, with all the confidence and the faith. And then what happens? You know, he kind of takes his eyes off of Jesus and he, and he puts his focus elsewhere like, oh, I wonder what those guys are saying about me back in the boat. <laughs> I, oh, this water looks really deep. I wonder how, I wonder, uh, th- these waves are really strong. This water is really cold. And when he takes his focus off of Jesus, what happens? That's when he sinks. And, and so, you know, Jesus puts his arm out and he, and he grabs him and he says, you know, I got you. I won't let you drown. And a lot of times people like to say, well, oh, look at Peter. You know, he sank. He, you know, he, yeah. at least he hopped out of the boat. At least he, he tried to incorporate his faith into what mm-hmm. he was doing. And when he did, he walked on water. And so, the, you know, as, as we look at these student-athletes who are going to take the court in the midst of all this distraction, yeah, 
all this noise, the fans, the, the, the TV, uh, the hype, uh, how many points did you score? How many minutes did you play? Are you going to get drafted? Well, when you put your focus on all that external noise, that's, that's when you're going to sink. But when you, you keep your focus on the one who made you, the one who gave you these gifts, on your teammates, the people who are with you, the people who, 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 who the, the one who gave you the, the, the strength and the ability to walk through any storm, you can walk on water. Well, and, the, the, and, and, and there's no shame in, and there's no shame in, in, in falling down the, the, mm-hmm. your Lord's going to be right there to help pick you up. It's not about playing the perfect game. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's about, you know, understanding that, that we're doing this together. And, you know, one of your commercial breaks was, um, was for confession and reconciliation. Right. And, and one of the things that, you know, um, our guys on the bench will say when, you know, somebody makes a turnover, somebody commits mm-hmm. a foul, somebody makes a, you know, kind of a, a play that, you know, you'd rather not have made, the whole bench will scream out, next play. Wow, next I play. love that. And, you know, next play, I mean, that's, that's, that's translation for you're forgiven. Move on. Let it go. And the, and the great ones that I've experienced, you know, the real great ones have an ability to, you know, if you miss a shot, if you put a ball, you know, if you're a golfer and you put a, if you dunk one in the water, you know, if you do something, you know, that, that you, 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 know, you wish you didn't do, the, the great ones have an ability to let it go, to forget, to get back into the present moment and take the next shot like you're going to make that one. Yeah, that's, that's so and, you true. you know, everybody likes to talk about, you know, Chris Jenkins, who made that beautiful half-court shot in 2016. That's, that's right. Well, you know, I'll tell you right now, his friends saw him shoot a lot of air balls in the, in the practice facility. Huh. But when you get the ball in your hands for the next shot, you got to think about staying in the present moment, and what am I going to do now, not be, you know, weighted down by things that you can't control from the past. And that's yeah. what God offers us every time he offers us that that opportunity for reconciliation and forgiveness to let it go and move on into the present moment. I love that. And here's another uh, segment where Father Rob Hagan, he talks about how much we need to be listened to. He's the chaplain of the Villanova University Wildcats in the Philadelphia area. They didn't make the tournament this year. They lost in the uh, NIT, the National Invitational Tournament, to Liberty University just a couple of days ago. And it's kind of the, the consolation prize if you don't make the March Madness NCAA tournament, but he talked about how much we need to be listened to, we need to be heard, and and he had a unique opportunity to do that and can, continues to have that opportunity with all these student-athletes at a very, very crucial uh, foundational time in their lives. Check this out. There's a, there a profile of you that was done by the New York Times back in 2018, and you had a great quote in that piece. You said that all of these guys have a million people in their ear telling them what to do it's nice to be the person in their lives who can actually listen to them. Can, can you comment on that a little bit, expand on that? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I don't think there's a textbook on chaplaincy. I think I really hmm. drew upon, um, you know, our Augustinian charism, Augustinian values, our Christian values, you know, and that value of listening. Um, it's very, um, it's very underappreciated right now these days. Uh, everybody, um, there's a lot of noise out there. Yeah. Um, social media being one of them, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, pressure and information and critique that these, uh, men and women hear on a regular basis. And for someone to just ask them genuinely, how are you doing Hmm. and, and wait for the answer 
and listen for the answer. And, and, you know, sometimes they're not doing that great. And I think, you know, these, these student athletes present themselves really well. Um, they're really well put together. Um, they're strong and accomplished and they've done a lot of things with their life. And so people kind of treat them like, um, you know, they're, 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 um, they're almost like they're, they're pros. They, they treat yeah. them like they're professionals, you know, and these are, these are, these are, you know, students that, you mm-hmm. know, have breakups with their significant others and, yeah. and, you know, don't always pass every test and, you know, um, are wrestling with COVID like everybody else. And, and to be able to say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? You know, um, you know, it's okay. God loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, God has a plan for you. You know, uh, may, may you have the grace to let it go, you know, and, and you'd think that um, these are things that, you know, you and I, Kale, um, we believe in, and, and these are messages that we're, we're familiar with. You'd be amazed with how many people are not familiar with that messaging, uh, that, that, that do not hear that message on a regular basis, that are not familiar with scripture or weren't raised in a family that really cultivated that. And so, you know, when they hear it, it's like, it's like pouring water on like a dried up plant. Yeah. It's just like instant hydration, Wow. you know, and, and it, it's just amazing how much I think we often take for granted, you know, the sacraments, um, you know, a daily devotional, you know, people like to say everything that's wrong with technology, that technology is not all bad. It's how you use it. Exactly. And, and you, you can just as easily have an app on your phone with a nice, you know, message from scripture in the morning when you wake up that kind of sets you on the right foot as you begin your day, you know? Um, and, and so I have an opportunity to kind of listen, to find out where they are, and then maybe kind of guide them in a direction that might be helpful. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149 is the number to call in. You're listening to a conversation I recently had with Father Rob Hagan, chaplain of the Villanova University Wildcats, who were in the Final Four last year. And right now he's going to talk about how, you know, a lot of successful people, they do have many advantages over us, and and, and sometimes we can be tempted towards, I guess, jealousy or envy. That's sinful, obviously. But one advantage that they do have for sure, those who have tasted any kind of earthly glory or success, they know firsthand, they know that it doesn't satisfy. And this is why we see a lot of Hollywood celebrities, I think, who are in rehab and their lives are just a, a disaster. You think they'd be on top of the world, but it's not the case. And it's the same in big time athletics as well. Here's what he had to say about that. Here's Father Rob Hagan. You know, the, the, you've made us for yourself, O oh Lord. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And, and you, you, you maybe have a unique insight into that because a lot of things that, that people wish they could be, a lot of people wish they could be on the NCAA stage, playing in the Final Four. I think you've probably seen up close that only God can satisfy none of the fame. You've seen it probably with with coaches, players. Speak to that a little bit. Thank you, Kelly. I think that's a beautiful point. Um, I think we all have friends. Um, Maybe we have some friends who are uber successful. Um, You know, I I can think of a couple in the back of my mind who really have just... um, a lot of what the world would, would deem, you know, in terms of, of wealth and resources. And they still have problems. Um, you know, they, they still want their children to be safe and well. Um, they still have, you know, addiction that runs in their family. 
Um, they still have things that they have to overcome. Um, you know, you, you look at any coach who, who, who's won at the highest level, and they'll tell you, you know, it doesn't mean anything unless you have someone to share it with. Um, talk to anybody, who, you know, the sharpest student who gets a 4.0. Um, at some point, it's beyond um, just getting good grades, just getting the paycheck, just how big is your house, how nice is your car. And I think sometimes it comes through having maybe tasted some of those things that the world offers us. Uh, I know in my own life, you know, to, to, to have had the opportunity to, to be, um, you know, in a law firm, to have had, you know, a partnership offer, um, to have won some cases, um, to have tasted some of that ambitious uh, craving that, that, that I had, only to realize, man, there's got to be something more. Yeah. There's got to be, there's got to be something more. And you know what that something more is? There's nothing like the, the forgiveness that comes from God. There's nothing like mm. the, the love and sense of peace and belonging when you know that you're loved and you love others. And, um, it starts to take, it starts to affect your decision-making. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, there's another great line I love, you know, decisions are easier when values are clear. Yeah. When you get clear on those values, then start making your decisions based on them, and it'll usually spit out a good result. Uh, I just loved my chat with Father Rob Hagen, and if you want to hear the whole interview, oh, he was just so good to talk to, so many incredible spiritual insights. We're going to paste a link to that episode in the show notes for today's program, so check that out. Uh, when you see the podcast up on RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app, we'll put it in the show notes, you can check out the whole thing, but... It's so true that we are made for much more than one shining moment, if you'll pardon the pun. We need to be with God for a lifetime and learn from that, grow in that relationship. And that's such a good reminder of that. Got to take a quick break right now on The Kale Clark Show, but when we come back, so, so much more. Why is it that Catholic schools in particular are really successful in March Madness? I, I think there's something to that, and uh, we'll talk about it after the break. 888 This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program, 888-914-9149. So good to be with you on this Thursday. If you want to react to anything we've been talking about or have a question, 888-914-9149 is the number to call. And Patrick from Austin, faithful listener, called in earlier. Didn't come on air, but he wanted to know, hey, when are you going to talk about the Catholic schools that are in this year's NCAA tournament. And there are seven. They all play tomorrow. They all, for some reason, none of them were scheduled for day one today. But the seven Catholic institutions that are in the big dance this year include Xavier, St. Mary's, Marquette, of course, up in Wisconsin, Milwaukee area, Creighton, the Creighton Blue Jays, Iona, Providence, the Friars of Providence College, and, of course, the Zags, Gonzaga, who are always a threat, always a threat. But it does beg the question, why is it that Catholic schools, Catholic colleges and universities have had such outsized success in the, in, in the March Madness tournament? I think that it's not really a coincidence. There's something about our faith that lends itself to heavenly hoops. And there's an article that appeared um, not too long ago in the New York Times by Mark Tracy that really looked at this phenomenon 
And we can look at, oh gosh, all the way back to Bill Russell, the late, great Bill Russell, when he was at the University of San Francisco, another Catholic school in the 1950s. We think about Villanova and their recent success. Uh, We just had uh, Father Rob Hagen, some uh, excerpts from my interview that I did with him, chaplain of Villanova, Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean. So many data points that prove this fact. In college basketball, Catholic schools have always punched above their weight. And there, there are actually scholars of religion who have looked into this phenomenon. Um, Julie Byrne, Dr. Julie Byrne, who teaches religion at Hofstra University, she actually studies Catholicism in the United States. And she, she said it's a real thing. It's a real thing that, that Catholic schools are successful at basketball. And historically, when you look at why, it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to give you some of these reasons. But... Um, yeah, uh, let's see here. Let's. I just want to kind of focus on some some big ticket items here. I'll, for a lot of these schools, sports are a means of evangelization. They're not just a means to promote the institution. And, and a lot of people, of course, uh, think about attending these colleges if they if they are into sports. If they watch these schools uh, play in the Final Four or just in the NCAA tournament in general. That might plant the seeds of maybe I want to go to this school. I don't know. But very often also these these Catholic teams uh, throughout the, the history of the NCAA tournament have also been good ambassadors for the faith. Speaking of Villanova, Father Peter Donahue is the president of Villanova. Every year he has an opening mass for all of the athletes in every sport at Villanova. And he reminds them that, hey, you're ambassadors for not only our school, but the mission of our school, which is a Catholic mission, of course. And in the early days of the the NCAA tournament, Holy Cross, LaSalle, San Francisco, we mentioned Bill Russell just a moment ago, his teams, Loyola of Chicago, before Sister Jean, they were a force way back when. And in the 1960s and 1970s, Marquette, the Golden Eagles were... Uh, they really had a golden age of success in, in basketball. And, of course, in the 1985 Final Four, which is one of the classics of all time, three of the four schools in the Final Four were Catholic institutions, St. John's, Georgetown, and, of course, Villanova, who pulled the big upset. Gonzaga's had just a ton of appearances over the last 20 years. And so it's, it's really interesting that it's not the case when it comes to big-time college football. Only really Notre Dame and Boston College are, are Catholic institutions that are in the five power football conferences. So can you explain this theologically? I, I don't know. I don't know. Is there something in the water? That's what Mark Tracy asks in his articles. Is there something in the holy water, maybe? Well, there are a lot of faith-based factors. There are also some sociological factors as well. In the second half of the 20th century, The Catholic Church never, never abandoned the urban poor in America. A lot of other institutions did. A lot of them just left the cities. But Catholic institutions did not. And and for a long, long time, in the decades ago in the the 20th century, a lot of American Catholics lived in the cities. They were working-class Catholics. They lived in New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco, New Orleans— built a lot of schools, and really had a great Catholic culture. A lot of immigrants, a lot of working-class people were served by these Catholic schools, especially the schools because a lot of their students were not able to gain admission 
to other schools. Some of that was because of discrimination. They tended to field a lot of great basketball teams because basketball doesn't have a whole lot of overhead. It's not an expensive sport overall. Just need a ball, a couple of hoops, really. And so this the same is, um, is true in the American Jewish community as well. And a lot of these schools used to have, a lot of these Catholic institutions used to have football teams as well, but they disbanded them. Like Loyola got rid of its football team, its varsity football team in 1930 because it's expensive. Football equipment is expensive, especially when you've got, you know, up to 80 players on a roster. So Julie Byrne, Dr. Julie Byrne, this Hofstra professor I mentioned earlier, she says, quote, basketball was the sport they picked because it was so cheap. They could do it in an incredibly limited space with incredibly limited equipment. And so uh, very often through the, through the decades, too, uh, Catholic institutions were uh, great at just not being discriminatory. Uh, think about Bill Russell at the University of San Francisco. The championship Loyola Chicago team in 1963 broke an unwritten rule, an unspoken rule, but it was nonetheless practiced by a lot of schools, unfortunately. Uh, they would not, they were, a lot of schools refused to start African-American players. They didn't. They had four African-American starters, Loyola Chicago in 1963, when a lot of teams were doing that, unfortunately. And so the Catholic youth organizations were really deeply embedded in a lot of American cities. It was, it's a little bit like the YMCA. YMCA. Well, the YMCA, which stands for Young Men's Christian Association, was started and essentially run by Protestant Christians. But the CYOs, the Catholic youth organizations, were kind of their Catholic counterpart. And they sent a lot of students from a lot of different backgrounds towards Catholic colleges. And that's, that's where they started uh, with basketball programs and the CYOs, and they would kind of funnel them into Catholic colleges. So it's interesting, too. Frank McGuire, uh, who was a Catholic coach at the University of North Carolina, a native New Yorker, he uh, won the title in 1957. He took a lot of first and second generation Irish Americans and Jewish Americans from New York City, brought them down to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, won a championship. Al McGuire, you might have heard of him. No relation to Frank, the very charismatic coach of Marquette, uh, recruited a lot of African-American players to go to Milwaukee in the 1960s and 70s. When, again, there were these unwritten quotas, you, you can't have African-American players, or at least you shouldn't have so many. That's what people said. It was quite flat-out racism. Let's, let's call it for what it was. And he could identify with them. He said, look, uh, I'm an Irish Catholic guy. I, I didn't grow up in your neighborhood, but I did grow up in the neighborhood next to it. And I kind of relate to some of the struggles that, that you had of being excluded, being left out, being underestimated. And so this is, these are part of the reasons why uh, Catholic institutions were so successful at basketball. But also... The idea, and this comes a lot from the Jesuit schools like Gonzaga, Xavier, Creighton, Georgetown, this idea of caring for the total person, which was really part of the original Jesuit charism, talking about Ignatius of Loyola himself. And I know that a lot of, not, not all Jesuits are off the rails theologically. Uh, there are a lot of still good Jesuits today. I, I hate to even have to say that. But some have gone off the rails theologically. But when you think about this idea, ad majorum de gloriam, for the greater glory of God, they were able to see that anything in life, anything in life could bring glory to God, that we look at life holistically, that 
we can find God in everything, uh, in every aspect of life. It can be made holy. It can be an occasion for an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so caring for the person, not just intellectually, as we hope to do in our institutions of higher learning, but also physically as well, uh, where sports comes in, that, that's part of the total human person. And so uh, Phil Martelli, coach of St. Joseph's, he used to say this. He called basketball and sport in general the greatest societal experiment. He said this, quote, In basketball, it doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, if you're from the city, if you're from the suburbs. In the Catholic faith, you shouldn't be measured by those things. Your W-2, what kind of car you drive, you should be measured by your character, end of quote. So these are some reasons, I think, why uh, Catholic institutions have had an outsized presence in the NCAA March Madness Tournament, been historically great at basketball. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Just want to give one little tip, because I know a lot of you guys are asking about this tomorrow st patrick's day it happens to fall on a friday can you eat meat can you have corned beef can you do a little bit of feasting even though it is a friday well the question can be answered in this way it depends and i know that's not a really satisfying answer to you but it really depends on what your local bishop says if your local bishop has given dispensation for this friday you can go for it. Now, the good news is, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well, the Catholic News Agency, CNA, has actually polled as many bishops as they possibly could in the United States to try to figure out what they're all saying. And so uh, they didn't get a full response from everybody, but they they heard back from 72.6% of dioceses uh, in the United States and uh, oh, excuse me, sorry, I got that wrong. 72.6% of all the dioceses that got back to them gave some relief for St. Patrick's Day. So some of them, 93 bishops in the United States, are providing a dispensation with no strings attached. In other words, you can have meat. Other bishops are saying, well, you've got to do a replacement penance of some sort. Maybe you can abstain from meat on another day during the week. Uh, sort of a yes, but. Uh, you can commute the requirement, if you will. Or they ask for maybe some extra prayers to be said, such as the famous prayer, the breastplate of St. Patrick, or helping the poor, or something like that. So if you want to know which bishop, and some bishops have said no, sorry, you still can't eat meat, even though it's uh, St. Patrick's Day, it doesn't matter. And you've got to be obedient to your bishop. So if you want to (laughs) know where your, your particular parish and diocese falls there is an interactive map that they put in this article and you kind of pinch and zoom and all the dioceses and all the regions where it's okay are in green (laughs) for saint patrick's day and there's one that they don't really know uh there's one area of the country that's kind of they haven't really said anything yet uh and some have said no those are uh, identified with orange the color orange so i'll provide a link uh, to that for you in the show notes, but it's found at the CatholicNewsAgency.com. You can just Google it, St. Patrick's Day Dispensations 2023, and you should be able to find out. And uh, speaking of uh, meats, I, I just read uh, what Scotty Scheffler is going to be serving at the Masters this year. Wow, it sounds pretty appetizing. Every defending champion gets to pick the menu. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you've seen what he has decided to, to put on it, but... Uh, it's pretty good. 
It's pretty good. He's from Texas. He's from uh, the Dallas, Texas area. And uh, let me just say that it involves steaks and redfish too, if, if, if you're into that. But it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Cheeseburger sliders for starters, firecracker shrimp, tortilla soup, Texas ribeye steak, black and redfish, your choice. Finishes it off with a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. So, hey, nicely done, Scotty. Can I can I come to the dinner? <laughs> no. I don't own a green jacket, that's for sure. Uh, far from it. Anyways, I hope it's been um, a slice of heaven for you on the Kale Clark Show. Stay tuned for Timory, followed by Father Rocky and the Family Rosary Across America. Jim Schaefer produced Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.